very excited to be preaching a resurrection message to you today. And uh, for those I haven't welcomed yet onto the stream, welcome, and we are glad that you are celebrating with us today. Uh, last week, we specifically looked at the life of Lazarus, and we talked about how that in so, so many ways set up Jesus in motion to be able to go to the cross. But today, we are looking at a different picture of that image. You see, on that day where Jesus died, darkness in some ways fell over those that were looking to Christ as their hope. But God was planning something so wonderful that we are going to be talking about together today. So would you join me once more in a moment of prayer? So please bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we are grateful to be celebrating your life, your death, and today, most specifically, your resurrection. You have overcome the grave, and through your might, Lord, we too become overcomers. Help us, Lord, to grow in our appreciation of this great truth. It's because of Jesus we pray. God's people said... Amen. Amen. So as many of you can imagine, Holy Week is a special week for our church. I've explained this before that, whole, that, that the two important rhythms in many ways are Easter and Christmas. And Easter is kind of like our Super Bowl, right? It's kind of that time where we get really excited, we get really pumped, and it's for good reason. You know, this past week, we've had a lot going on in the church, and as I've taken the time to think about what message I'm going to preach on this Easter, I kept on asking myself the question, why does Easter matter? I mean, for some of us, if you think about it, we may have grown up in the church. We might feel like this is a normal rhythm for us to be able to go to church on Easter Sunday and hear a message. But really, we need to ask ourselves, why this day above all other days does this matter so much for our church? Why is this our Super Bowl worth of events? Well, as I was asking myself that question, I feel like the Lord brought me to the book of Romans, specifically chapter 6, verses 8 through 11, which I will read to you. It'll be up on the screen as well, which say this. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has what? Mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin now read the rest of this with me. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Church, we are here to celebrate the ending of that verse. The life that we now get to receive through Jesus, that is what Easter brings. It brings us life. Death no longer has mastery over us. Since sin entered the world, that is how things were operating. You see, when Adam and Eve fell, sin in some ways sprung forth and was set into motion and we feel the travesty of sin in our lives. You know, yesterday we had a memorial service and we were in some ways mourning the travesty of sin. The fact that many of us have lives that unexpectedly go into different directions. As my wife Michaela was mentioning before, many of us deal with different kinds of burdens, with fear, with anxiety, with dark moments of our lives, whether it's the sicknesses that we go through or the seasons that cause us to feel the pressure of life. All of those things are a result of the sin that we experience in this world. World. Sin is a great darkness. It is what causes us to feel the burden. And in very many ways, the fact that we feel so darkened by it tells us that it was never meant to exist in the first place. You see, sins, this is my own definition of what sins are. Sins are the deeds that we commit, the thoughts that we entertain that obscure our sense of good. Sins are what cause us to go down roads of regret. It's what causes us to feel darkness, hopelessness, and despair. Sins are what causes us to hurt others and hurt ourselves. It's what keeps us up at night and hardens our heart from God. If you've experienced any of that, you've experienced the effect of sin. And you see, I think many of us, unfortunately, and I do it myself, we sometimes have a narrow window of just what God accomplished on that cross and through the resurrection. Because you see, the moment sin entered into this world, God hatched a plan for humanity. He said that I'm going to create a rescue mission to end this darkness, to end this sin, to end those feelings of pain and suffering that so many of us face on a daily basis. You see, the beauty of the cross and the beauty of the resurrection is God making good on his promise, amen? It's God coming into this world and saying that I will put an end to this. I will stop this and I will allow goodness to be restored for those that choose to believe in me. That is the beauty of the gospel. It's that we no longer have to live with the effects of that sin in our lives. His death is our life. 
It's why when Jesus was traveling from town to town to be able to build up this message and lead on to this day that he met a woman sitting at a well. This woman, this Samaritan, this Samarian woman was living in complete darkness, but make no mistake, her life was very much like our own lives. She was trying to hide from the world around her because her life took a direction that she did not want to live in. So she decided that she was going to ostracize herself from the world in order to get away from judging eyes. But when she encountered Jesus, here were her, his words to this woman who was drawing water from the well. In John 4, 13, he said, everybody who drinks this water, speaking to the water that she was drawing from, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She, he, Jesus was giving her a glimmer of what he was about to accomplish. You see, church, this is the water that Jesus invites us to. He invites us to take his living water on a daily basis. And today is a day of remembrance, of realizing that we can drink from his well, which is bottomless. But so many of us, even the ones that claim Christ, even my life, we forget this beautiful truth that God invites us to be able to draw from his well whenever we would like. You see, darkness may still exist. Sin may be in this world. And make no mistake, if you read the book of Revelation, one day it is coming to an end. One day God will say, enough is enough. But regardless of when that day or that moment comes, we get to still live and walk and experience the life and the victory of Christ, amen? amen. You see, this was God's mission. It was his mission to bring restoration in our lives. It's why in John three sixteen and 17, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But you see, church, as exciting as all of this is, as true as all of this is, it is still up for us, you and me, individually to receive this gift of grace. You see, Christ was able to accomplish what no person could accomplish, but ultimately it's still our faith that allows us to tap in to this wonderful and glorious gift because grace is God's unmerited favor in our lives but we still need to be able to have the faith to receive that grace it cannot be earned it's a faith decision it is a choice we freely make in accepting the gift or rejecting it but it goes so much further than a yes or no answer. It is a perspective change. You see, we need to change our perspectives in some ways about the gifts and grace of God. 
Because oftentimes we don't always live as resurrected people. But I imagine on that day when the disciples finally met Jesus face to face and things started to sink in. This is why their lives changed. This is why they went from young men who in very many ways would bicker about all the wrong things to very much world changers who would in some ways seal their own faith in proclaiming the message of God because they took hold of the transformation that God had for them. And we too could experience that, but it is a faith decision for ourselves. Daily, God calls us to experience his resurrection power, but we need to view it in some ways in how it was viewed in Matthew 13, when Jesus in verse 44 explains the kingdom of heaven, and really I think in very many ways the gospel like this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy he went and he sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, that is the value. That is the perspective change. That is the honor that we are to give to this glorious gospel news. That there is a sense of us getting rid of it all whether it's within or outside of us, getting rid of it all so that we could see for ourselves and receive for ourselves everything that God has for us. Church, I don't want the Lord, I don't want to prevent the Lord from giving me a blessing just because I'm not willing to let go of parts of myself. But you see, so often we fail to realize that our faith is more than just, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. Our faith is wrapped up in transformation. C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, says that Christ is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He was met fought and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. You hear that? Everything is different because he has done so. I want to live like everything is different because of what Jesus accomplished in the resurrection. Church, it is time for God's people to live like everything is different because of the resurrection. That is the power that the Holy Spirit brings upon us. He allows us to live as people that are truly not of this world, where so many of us get caught up on all the wrong things and all the wrong burdens. Christ is able to say, you are liberated. I have created you for purposes outside of what the world thinks, but I have created you to uphold my name into kingdom perspectives of what I'm going to be bringing to my people. Because ultimately, and this is my big idea for today, the resurrection changes 
everything. Say that with me. The resurrection changes everything. And, you know, that's also a good one, too. Through Jesus, we are truly alive. I like that as well. I I probably wrote that a week ago before I changed it. (laughs) But the resurrection changes everything. Thank you for keeping up. See, I'm just testing you. The resurrection changes everything. You know, a classic work of literature that I have come to appreciate is uh, from the author Oscar Wilde. And I've probably shared this story once before, but for those that haven't heard it, Oscar Wilde wrote a book uh, called The Picture of Dorian Gray. And I'm sure many of you have either read the book or watched the movie. It, ta- it tells an interesting story. Oscar Wilde himself was not a good person by any means or stretch of the word. But he tells a story about a gentleman named Dorian. And what's interesting about Dorian is his, he was in the height of life. He was at that perfect age uh, where his beauty and his confidence and everything was at the peak of what we would like to experience, much like my age right now. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. So this painter decides to paint a picture of Dorian. And it's realized in that moment that most likely every day, every moment, every year that passes on from this moment of being captured in this picture will most likely be a moment of age, a moment where the wearing on of life and the body starts to be shown, that Dorian has really reached the pinnacle of his youth. And a wish is made between Dorian and the, persons that are pa- the person that is painting him. And that wish is quite simple. Wouldn't it be nice if this picture wore all the age of my life instead of me and that I could remain young and youthful and that this picture right here would be the one that ages? Well, this wishful idea ended up coming true. And as you read the book, you realize that that picture starts to age and Dorian starts to stay youthful. But what's interesting about this story is is that as Dorian makes choices in life, as he sins in life, as he harms people in life, he not only harms others, but the picture of himself begins to change. And that youthful, innocent beauty starts to turn into a sly look, into a wicked look. And as the years go on, the picture just gets uglier and uglier and uglier till one day years have passed, decades have gone on, and Dorian is still as captivating as ever, but he has hidden within a room his picture, and he opens the door, and he walks in, and he looks at the picture, and as he looks at the picture, it is the oldest, most decrepit, most decayed-looking individual that he has ever seen with all the wickedness of his years captured in this picture. Hating what he sees, he takes out a knife from his pocket and he stabs the picture, ending his own life. You see, Dorian couldn't handle his own soul reflection on the picture. But the truth is, is that most of us are very similar to Dorian. 
We too desire for there to be a picture that holds our sins. We too desire that we can remain in our youthful innocence and that something else can take on our sins. But you see, unlike Dorian, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He, in some ways, gets to be that picture for our souls. But when we open the door and look at that picture, instead of seeing the decrepit, death decaying face that we ought to see we see a picture of jesus looking back at us because you see that is what jesus does for our souls he takes the sins upon himself but he's able through our faith in him to reflect back a beautiful image it's why church the bible calls us to be like Christ. I imagine some of you have felt in some ways the years of life weighing down upon you. I imagine some of you have felt in moments of your life like sin has left its mark. But today, make no mistake, God has erased that mark. And God wants to restore in you whatever you feel and think to be broken. Because that's what resurrection power is about. It's about changing that image of our life and reflecting an image of Christ. Amen? Amen. Who wants to see an image of Christ in their lives? I hope every single individual does here. And that is why Chris, uh, that is why Easter makes all the difference. I was going to say Christmas, but that does too. That is why Easter makes all the difference. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are many of us who feel a sense of sin making its mark in our lives, who feel that weight of death in our lives, that have seen the pains, the sufferings, the sicknesses that wear us down, Lord. But Father, today is a day where we don't look at those pains and sins the same way. Because today is a day where we remember what you did on the cross. Where we remember that your sacrifice there was you taking upon yourself our pictures of evil, our sin, Lord. Everything that would turn our hearts black, you put upon yourself, Lord. So that you can make in us a beautiful picture of your son. So that you could restore in us a relationship with you so that we would experience life once again. Father, I know that there are people in this room that are needing to hear that. I need to hear that message, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us feel that restoration. I'd like to, with our heads bowed, head bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like to invite any of you 
that if you're in a place right now where you have not put your faith yet in Christ, I'd like for you to simply, right now, do some business with God. I'd like for you to say to Jesus something like this. Jesus, thank you for overcoming my sin. Thank you for taking my sin with you on the cross. Thank you for dying and and taking on the penalty of sin. Jesus, thank you that through your death and, and through your resurrection, I can have new life. I put my faith in you as my Lord and Savior to walk like a picture or a portrait of you. Thank you, Father, for giving me life. With everybody still in prayer, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd like you to just slip your hand up or look at me just so that I can acknowledge your prayer right now. Thank you. Father, I also pray for all of us in this room. I just ask Jesus that you would allow all of us to experience the fullness of what resurrection means. Father, we need that resurrection life every day of our lives. Help us to experience that with the fullness of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for overcoming death on our behalf. We're grateful, Father. We're grateful that the resurrection changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.